0: There you go. We're off mute. Good, good. Good morning, everybody. There's my
1: whiteboard for when we want it. All right. First come, first serve. There's one person on. Do you want to come on for coaching? You can raise your hand or throw in the chat box. And if you, if you uh, don't want coaching, you can, there you go. Okay, perfect. I'm going to change your name. The best thing about renaming is I don't think of names until like the second and then it comes out of my brain. (laughs) Morning Breeze.
2: All right, there you go. Good morning. Good morning.
1: How are you? So good. It's like breezy and morning like outside. So
2: yeah, it was a nice time. <laughs>
1: it's awesome. Well, what's going on?
2: All right. Well, so I mean, this is just one where I can think about it rationally, but I kind of wanted to talk it out. It makes um,
0: difference.
2: Right. Yeah. So I'm on call this week, and um, I find that one thing that always seems to like run over in my head a lot is when I either have to like transfer a patient or uh, insist that one of my partners see him instead of me. So it's kind of like, um, uh, coming down to feeling like, uh, guilty about not doing it, even though it's what I should do. Does that make sense? Mm
0: Yeah. Oh
2: yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody (laughs) has that.
2: Um, okay.
1: So, so give me, can you give me the last scenario that that came up for you?
2: Yeah. So the last one was yesterday. Of course, there's been others. But um, so I actually I take Fridays off. But the way our practice works is that you're technically not on call from 830 to five. And during the day when something comes in, it goes to who's ever in the office that's closest to that hospital, because we have like satellite practices and they're all about an hour away from each other. Mm -hmm. So it just wouldn't make sense to have one person running all over the place, if that makes sense. So um, I, and I find that because I'm off on Fridays, I have to defend that a lot more because they all think like, oh, well you're doing nothing and I'm operating or I'm in clinic or I'm in, you know what I mean? So, So they called me in the middle of the day yesterday and I was just about to walk into a physical therapy appointment and they wanted me to come see like an urgent trach um, issue, and first of all, I'm an hour away. You know. <laughs> Second of all, there's someone in the operating room operating, and so um, I told them that, and the other person ended up doing it, and it really wasn't an issue. But I thought about it the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so the circumstance is um, you're off, like you're legitimately living living your life, right? Right. So you're mm-hmm. you're off, and the, and the phone rings. Yeah. And somebody says, "Can you help?" Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, what are your thoughts about that?
2: Um, the first thing I get is like, what, so when the phone first rings, I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" Because I just don't want to. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, and I know I'm about to do something that I don't want to have to like give up and rearrange my schedule in the last second. You know, those are yeah. the first thoughts. Um, and then as I find out the conversation, I mean, if it's something that I was close by and I had to take care of, I would just do it. But yep. when there's someone else there and it's not really my problem, then I get annoyed that I'm even being asked because then I feel guilty about it that I didn't, yeah. you know.
1: As much as I really want to go with the thought, ah fuck, because I've never gone with the thought.
2: Fuck,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what, let's let's pick. Let's do one of those feelings. Should we do the feeling of like of guilt or the feeling of annoyed? Which one's the strongest for you? Which one makes you kind of chew on it all day long?
2: I think it's it's more the guilt. I think I have this sense, and I think when we're we go through training, you're like. You're just supposed to work and you're supposed to do everything, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it's hard to abandon that and just yeah. feel like because I am off and it should be fine that I say no, but there's a sense of guilt because I know my partner has a full OR day and they're going to have to squeeze it in and, but you know.
1: Your partner has days off too, yes? Yeah. <laughs> just checking. Okay. So which, which thought is the thought that brings up the guilt for you?
2: um that i i don't just go and do it and that i you know say that someone else should be doing it okay um
1: so so you said no but you doubt yourself is that
2: yeah. it yeah okay yeah yeah so i do what i think i should do and defend my like boundary but i feel guilty about it Yeah. <laughs> okay
1: yeah I, I think that somewhere in the thought just my guess there's probably the word should yes yeah because <laughs> because this word should is really where the kind of the guilt comes from yeah
2: i'm um, a very big Shudder. <laughs> uh
1: okay so you're off you get called and the thought is i said no but i should have said yes
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: is it so is there is it something like that I uh, should say yes, and then we have guilt, and then are we, what are we doing because of guilt?
2: Uh, so mostly like ruminate and like be distracted, so then, you know, Fridays are my day off partly so I can spend more time with my children, and so if I, you know, things like that. So not
1: present in your day yeah. off, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: not present.
1: I mean, I think the the result of this is that you're not off of
2: work, right? <laughs> exactly.
1: You're like you're you're physically off, but the emotionally, you're still really tied. You're not truly present. Yeah. in the, okay? Not yeah, of that's what's
2: bothering me exactly.
1: Um. Well, that's super common. We're super good at guilting and shitting. I know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What would it, what would it be, would it be possible to say no and have no be a full sentence?
2: Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So like I said, I did it and maybe it's just a matter of practicing because um, in trying to feel okay that like you don't just say that you're not shooting or whatever. I don't know. or not just not doing what, doing everything for everybody and, you know, <laughs> protecting your time and your, you know, yeah. Like that. How,
1: how would it be better for you if you, if you truly protected that day?
2: Um, then I would have less anxiety about scheduling things and getting things done. I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter what it was, this was a physical therapy appointment. So you could even argue it was quote, important, but even if I just wanted to like take a nap, like that yeah. <laughs> should be fine too. <laughs>
1: and, and your ability to have that boundary will refresh you better for when you aren't in charge of taking care of everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, do you, and, and, and I, I, by no means I'm trying to solve the problem, but what do you have to pick up the phone?
2: Um, I, I guess that's not clearly written. I just feel like when work calls me, I should.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a good thought. (laughs) Or it's a a thought.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess we've never really like, even something's well defined. Like part of the reason I'm able, I was able to say no yesterday is because we clearly defined that this is the rule, you know, like that if someone's in that office or in that hospital, then they have to take care of it. You never really clearly find a rule about whether I have to pick up my phone. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I, you know, you know, now that I'm thinking about it more, um, occasionally there is nobody around, like maybe they finished for the day and they went home. And so then I would be the one that they're supposed to call.
1: Okay. Even on your day off.
2: Yeah. Even on my day off. Okay. if, if like everybody left early or something. Okay. Does that
1: happen frequently?
2: Uh, not frequently, but enough that I guess I feel like I should answer my phone.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so if you, if you make that clear boundary that, yeah, I guess I answer my phone because if Peter left early, but Mm -hmm. all the other times you get to have a day off and not feel guilty about it. Is that, is that a, a a clear
2: boundary for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think just. Yeah. I think just clearly stating in my mind, you know, could change all that, which is exactly what this thought work is. <laughs>
1: you know? Oh, to- well, totally. Cause they're going to keep calling you. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unless yeah. you, unless you make the rule of don't call me on my day off, but it sounds mm-hmm. like, it sounds like you don't want to do that.
2: No. Cause occasionally they really do need me. Cause there's, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, re- they really do need you. Um, and then the practice I think is sticking to those boundaries right of like mm-hmm. nope not not today i have my i have my other life but i think you're absolutely right you know we come we come residency teaches us job over everything else yeah and then you get into real life which lasts forever <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> and then we wonder why people get burned out right because mm-hmm. you're still giving everything to the job instead of your adult life
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, um, I was reading, I haven't read the whole, it yet. Actually, I was listening to an interview, the book Untamed by London mm-hmm. um, Doyle, and she talks about how mothers are martyrs and somehow it dawned on me that doctors are martyrs too. So I feel like us mother physicians like don't have a chance.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, Totally. We're really good at it. And, and the, I love the whole thing that like, no can be a complete sentence. Yeah. Which I mm-hmm. still strug, I still struggle with, with like the explaining part. Mm -hmm. but yeah uh just kind of standing on standing on your your why right of like i'm not going to feel guilty about it because i've already got this system in place where there's another surgeon there and then all that burden you're putting the shoulds and the guilt is that's a choice which is the best news ever because it gets to be unlearned
2: yeah yeah and i think part of it is um I think part of this just comes from being a woman and part of it comes from our training too is you're so worried about what the other surgeon is going to think of you, you know, especially if, because, you know, even though we're partners, we have like, um, um, there tends to still be a hierarchy, you know, like the guy who's been there the longest and the old white man tends to be, you know, you feel weirder saying, no, he has to go see it than you do um, if it's like someone who's more your uh, contemporary. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally. So if if somebody called, if the office called that guy and he was off and he didn't come in, mm-hmm. what would you think about him?
2: That he was just doing what we agreed to.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if, uh, I mean, that's useful information, right? To, right. Know, to know that and, and to think, well, if somebody was to ever say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you went to your physical therapy appointment. You'd say, well, that's what we agreed to. Right. You're actually just following the rules of your practice. Right. All the stress and the shoulds and the everything else, that's just your extra stuff that you get to drop. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. That's good. You're going to have such better days off. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think we um, we spend so much time thinking what other people are thinking and like when you really work on it oh my gosh, it's so freeing. Yes. Like, we yeah. can't we can't they can think we're jerks. This is still how the system works. And I wouldn't think badly of them if they had their day off and they didn't come in cuz somebody was in the office.
2: Right. Yeah, sometimes it does help to turn and around and and I forget to do that. And so much of this is new because I've been living with these like neural patterns for 40 years that <laughs> I, it takes practice and being like a high achieving woman surgeon. I feel like if I have to repeat it, like the thought model again on something I've already done, like, why don't I get this yet?
1: <laughs> I know. I had that problem yesterday when I had an urge and I was like, damn it, What am I going to stop having these urges? And then I was like, oh, the urges don't ever go away. Right. That's the that's the secret. You, if you spend your whole life like resisting the shoulds or resisting the urges of like, we just think we should have these like perfectly well run brains now because because we know like a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so freeing to know the should can always be there. The should might always be there, and it's not that it's never gonna pop up for you again. And it, 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 we don't have to make it mean anything that it does come back up, right? right. It's Like. The should and the guilt is. I mean, we've got society, we've got residency, we've got mom, we've got like all of these reasons that the should and the guilt comes in, and we can't we can't just make it go away. Um, But we can we can say ah, there it is. Isn't that silly? Yeah, yeah, and and certainly bring more of a a lightness to it than like a crap. I'm not perfect.
2: Yeah. So when it happens, just be like, oh, there it is, and just instead of ruminating on it, like I always do. There it is. Just let it. Yeah. yeah. And
1: be like, nope, not today. I've got a system in place. And my partner would, you know, if he, he had a physical therapy appointment, he would do his physical therapy appointment. Right. Let it mm-hmm. go. Oh, I, I'm stereotyping, but sometimes I think like, if I thought like a man, like he would drop it. He'd be like, I'm busy. <laughs> like, yeah. that's so freeing. Take on a little bit of that, that empty mind. Awesome. All right. Uh, any other thoughts, or should we should we go on to the next morning breeze?
2: No, that was helpful. Thank you.
1: Awesome. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy your Fridays. Okay. Have yes. work to do. It's gonna be great. Okay. Here we go. All right. Next person for coaching. Do you want to come on? If you want to raise your hand, I'll change your name. Hi, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying really... to fix
3: my treadmill.
1: Oh, that's exciting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> did it, did it's a, it's a, a giant it. computer, so I did what I know how to do, which is like the Lockheed turn it off and turn it back
1: on. <laughs> and that would have been my <laughs> first and only piece of advice.
3: <laughs> yeah, and it's still flashing. the screen's still flashing.
1: Oh. All right, spring day nice to meet you
4: kelly i'm gonna mute myself perfect thanks so much for doing this uh this is really awesome it's a great group i uh i love it i absolutely love it and thank you thank you for being Um, here thanks i'm a 57 year old but not at all ready for retirement general surgeon who uh, was in a private group practice, very successful practice, uh, that's been around for over 40 years. So we were self-employed. I did general surgery for 20 some odd years, four years ago, after probably being burnt out for a few years, I uh, made the plunge to do breast surgery only. Which um, you you're not a general surgeon, so breast surgery is sort of in my mind uh, like kind of a great field because there's really no night call, there's no weekend call, there's no holidays. Um, it's a lot of hand holding, and you know it can be busy in different ways, but it's not demanding. There's no demanding call which creates a lot of animosity with co-worker general surgeons. But anyway, uh, at that point, four years ago, I uh, decided to do breast surgery. I said to my group, look, I can't change you guys, but I can change myself. I know that I have to do, I have to make a change. I wanna do breast surgery only, which was probably like 85% of my elective practice anyway. And I said, I, I uh, you know, understand if you want me to leave the group, I don't want to leave, but I, I will, and I can, I'll hang up my own shingle or figure out some alternative. Um, because financially, I was pretty successful in the group, they didn't want me to leave. And so they said, no, we don't want you to leave, but they try to punish me in other ways. And anyway, it worked out really well for me, the patients. Everybody was happy. I'm sure my surgeon partners are really envious and pissed at me, low grade chronically, but they tolerated it. Well, two years ago, the group decided not to be bought, but to be we didn't get anything for it, but we got employed by the hospital. And one of the stipulations was all of our support staff needs to be able to be employed. But uh, with any kind of employment situation, as you know, they try to splinter up everybody into individuals so you have less, um, uh, you know, negotiating power and all that stuff. Any event, everything was okay. I'm a control freak. So I don't like not being the manager and being in control of what the MAs do, reception, all that kind of stuff. And that's one thing I don't like. But then COVID happened and the hospital took a huge hit. We serve a really underserved population, a lot of brown and black people, uh, just just it's an underserved community and they took a huge financial hit. They had um, big layoffs um, probably, I don't know, several weeks ago. I'm sure there are more to come. So my contract with them started on a July 1st. So I just got an email after sending my manager an email saying, hey, can we talk about support staffing and what the plans are? Because we basically have no one even to answer the phone, no one to do our booking, all this kind of stuff. It's just gone to shit. So um, I sent her the email, two hours later, I get out of the OR and I get two meeting invitations. One is June 30th, the last day of my contract year, for a meeting with her, a couple of administrators, and a couple of administrative doctors. And then the next day, a meeting with all of our group. So my first thought is, Hey, what is this about? Maybe I shouldn't have said anything, but I should have sent something because we have no support staff. But now my second thought is, oh my God, they're gonna fire me. And so now I have this coming week off and I'm gonna spend the next 10 days being miserable, thinking I'm gonna get fired. What do I need to do? I shouldn't have done that. And it's bad.
1: (laughs) Oh, my dear. Okay, so the circumstance is you have a meeting on June
4: 30th. Yes, the last day of my contract year.
1: Which happens to be the last day of your contract.
4: Absolutely. Okay, meeting June 30th. And you know how these people don't want to tell you the agenda they want to go have you invite you to a meeting and catch you with your pants down. And that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of being embarrassed feeling shame if my job is cut or if they cut my salary slash cut my hours. Um, I'm afraid of my reaction. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of these administrative people that I hate. Um, And then I'm also worried I need a job. I want to help pay for my kids last two years of graduate school. I want to pay for my second house that I'm building that started before the pandemic. And had I known there was going to be a pandemic, we probably would have never built the second house.
1: There's the control. I (laughs) only had known there was a Worst ever pandemic coming. I would have done my life different, (laughs) (laughs) says every surgeon ever. Um, Okay, well, we could go into the unintentional model, but my my question off the bat, just with all your thoughts, is how do you want to show up on June 30th?
4: I want to be the poised, compassionate, um, competent surgeon and doctor that I know that I am. That is, it's hard for me. I, and I don't, I don't always feel that I've, I've wrestled with, you know, um, imposter syndrome, I think for 57 years. And, you know, I'm doing breast surgery, I know that I'm competent at it, I practiced it for 26 years, I didn't do a fellowship in it, a one year fellowship You know, 26 years ago, I don't think that would have made me necessarily a better breast surgeon now that I'm competing with people who are fellowship trained. I'm 19 miles near a major medical mecca and I'm a little old community surgeon, but I do feel like I do a good job, but I wrestle with myself all the time about that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to cry. I don't want to get angry and just quit because I feel my feelings are hurt. Um, but I also want to kind of fight for my position that I've rightfully earned in the community for all these years.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what's coming? What's the big thing that's coming up for you before we go? Because because that confident surgeon who knows what she's doing. She can show up. I have to. I totally see that. It's really hard for me. What's, what is, what are the thoughts that are blocking that confident, calm
4: leader from showing up? I, I think it's, um, fear because I can't argue with them when they say, look, we have no money to pay you. That's true. We can't, we can't make the money
1: show up for, right. We, we aren't for better or for worse, probably for better. We're not the uh, CFOs of major hospitals. Right. We're surgeons. TTF. So fear's your big one fear of June 30th. Yeah. Is is that the big one? Okay.
4: Yep. Fear of, of looking uncomposed or incompetent fear of, you know, not having income and having to find another job at 57 and I'm not at all ready to retire. I'm busier than I have ever been, but it's hard to like find a new thing. And in fact, this is my first job ever. And when I go to meetings and tell people that they're like, "What? what the hell? I can't believe you've only had one job since training. Is it the first job usually lasts
1: two years for surgeons? Something like that. Something crazy. But I've Uh, had mine for 26 years. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, Okay, so I think you know between now and June 30th, thought download, thought download, thought download, just for homework of getting all of this out because there's so much in there, and if you carry that basket of goodies into that meeting it's too much for the confident you to, to come through. Right. Right. So cleaning all of that out, the clean out the basket before you show up, because then you'll much more be like, which one do I pick when I'm here? I've got all this stuff.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Um, so fear, the, the fear is, uh, is it fear in how you're going to show up? I'm going to show up not how I want to, or is it more the thought I'm going to lose my job? Which one is bringing up the fear the most for you?
4: I think it's fear of the unknown, not knowing what they're going to say to me. Okay, I don't is going to be? Say. We have no money. Um, even though we respect what you do, uh, you have to take a pay cut slash cut your hours. How am I going to make that work? And then also fear of okay, am I going to be out of a job? How am I going to pay for my house? Um, How am I going to find another job? I don't want to embarrass myself in front of these people who don't necessarily appreciate what I do.
1: I'm filling in the blanks as you're talking. Thank you. Um, So (laughs) your thought is, I don't know what they're going to say, which is driving fear. Yeah. Because of the fear we're ruminating Mm -hmm. uh, and we're um, possibly showing up not how you want to. Right. It's coming from a fear response. Mm -hmm. Show up different. And the result of not knowing uh, the result of you not knowing what they're going to say is you not knowing what you're going to say. Right.
4: Uh, Not knowing self. And certainly it's going to be a brief meeting. I have patients booked like 30 minutes after the start of this meeting, um, a full schedule, a new EMR implemented two days before that OR after that in the afternoon. So I have to keep my shit together. I want to keep my shit together. I, um, you know, if I react badly, then they'll feel better about themselves. No matter what, you know, what they intend to do to me, whether they want to cut my hours or, um, I, I don't want, to give them any satisfaction of, oh, see, we didn't really screw over because she's a bitch to start off with, or something like that. Fair
1: enough. Um, so what if what if there's what if you don't know what they're gonna say? What if that's I mean, you're trying to figure out what they're gonna say ahead of time yeah. and, and spending plenty of hours doing it. Right. But at the end, but the until you get there you truly aren't going to know what they're going to
4: say right i'm not going to know what they say i'm not going to know what they say until they say it and i also no matter what they say i don't necessarily want to give them an answer after they say it in that same meeting yeah i mean i think you still have you still have so much of
1: your own power and integrity here it doesn't matter what they're gonna say they can say something that is that we just found a billion dollars or we have zero dollars you get to show up how you want to show up as if this is truly whatever they say is the circumstance yeah so if the the circumstance could be blah 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 yeah and you still get to choose how you want to show up yeah and kind of just taking down the like you we have no idea what somebody's gonna say in a next hour let alone right. you know, next next month of, uh, let's just do the, let's do the blah, blah, blah. Cause it'll be fun to put blah, blah, blah in the sea line. <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> you're supposed to have a very specific sea line, but I think in this scenario, <laughs> because, because where you're tied right now is whatever they say, you're gonna decide if that's good or you're gonna decide if it's bad. What if it's just neutral no matter what? What if you get that chance to be like, no matter what they say, I get to choose how I want to show up?
4: That's always true. However, in this climate and in their fiscal status, I know it's going to be detrimental to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there might be, I mean, there might be some big, big things coming up. Yeah. And you still get to choose how to show up. Right. You're right. Okay, so they're they're saying blah blah blah, the economy blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you want to show up? We could either pick a feeling or we could pick a thought.
4: I still want to show up as a compassionate, um, you know, hearing surgeon that I am. that you know wants to provide good care to the patients no matter what. I and I yes, of course, I understand there was a pandemic, it's terrible, and I understand that, you know, that money is tight for the hospital.
1: So what thought what thought are you gonna go in with to to have that compassion be at the front of the bucket? I wanna work with you.
4: I wanna be cooperative.
1: And when you show up from, so I want to work with you and I want to be, uh, cooperative brings forth the feeling of compassion for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And then what actions are going to be coming from a place of compassion?
4: Uh, I think probably listening without necessarily reacting in a negative way.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of the, like let letting it just kind of come in and keeping that mind kind of Either focused on compassion or just kind of clean of judgment,
4: right? Okay,
1: listening non-judgmentally.
4: And I want to tell—I want to admit—that's very difficult for me.
1: Oh well, we'd all be Buddhists instead of surgeons if it was (laughs) easy. (laughs) We'd be like, "Oh, we're just gonna zoom from our temple on the mountain with our tea because (laughs) because they all trained us non-judgmental thinking in residency, right? Yeah." (laughs) They taught us to zero that. I mean, they taught us to like judge from from the minute. They, like, I think they actually taught us like observe everything, judge instantaneously based upon like how they're dressed, who they brought in with. Like we're taught to judge people instantaneously. and At least I was.
4: Right. And make decisions quickly.
1: Make decisions quickly. Yeah. And then when you want to come from this like wise, compassion, complex scenario, you're like, hold on yeah I, act, I actually have to work on this yeah um, okay so you so your actions are listening and non and being non-judgmental hmm and then the I, th- I think the result is they want to work with you I hope so to work with you And whatever that might be I mean this might blah 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 might be might be very detrimental to your job it mm-hmm. might be, but they still are going to want to work with you to make it as easy as possible. I hope so. Hope, hopefully, coming coming from this best place. Yeah, that, and how you and want this is giving
4: it. them a lot of extra credit because I don't, I definitely feel that hospital administration has no respect for workers on any level, including doctors, and we're just a bunch of widgets to them and. Um, you know, long-term uh, devotion to the institution and good work and professionalism is not valued. And they think that they can get rid of anyone uh, who's been there, who costs them a lot of money because of their experience and replace them, they are replaceable with some new person who's willing to do the job for cheaper. hmm and, and so that, it's hard for me to be compassionate to them because of that.
1: Yeah. That's for the, if, if everybody, compassion would be easy if people were, you know, did everything we wanted them to do. Yeah. It wouldn't be like a lifelong practice and like have, yes. have like entire institutions devoted to figuring out freaking compassion. Cause it's actually yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to be compassionate to like a cat on the side of the road. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, this is, I think this is really good work. You came along a long way and, you know, just a short period of time of like, you have so many choices. You still have so much power in how you show up, yeah. even though blah, blah, blah might be not what you want to hear at right. all. It might be the opposite and of what you want to hear.
4: And I totally get that all the rest below the sea is what is in my control. Yep. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, we have we have the great fortune of having Amy and Jessica on here today. So I'm going to bring them on just to see if they've got uh, any thoughts as we, because we've got some time. They can you hear me. Yep. Hey, Amy.
0: <laughs> hey, Kelly. So, you know, it's so interesting. Um, all the interesting aspects of all this. I agree. There's like so much in here, and I thought you did, you know, really a fantastic job about, you know. And the panelists as well, of just like laying everything out. Um, what's interesting that's coming up is just the relationship and the thoughts that she has about the administration. Um, you know, is that serving you to feel like they're out to get you, that they're doing all these things against you? You're putting them so much into like a, a villain and you're the victim circumstances that actually serving you. Um, and, you know, we just finished the book, Never Split the Difference, which is fantastic, which is all about relationships. And I mm-hmm. highly recommend that book, especially as you're going into this, okay. um, because really what it is is about building that relationship. And how do you think your approach would change if you go into there saying, you know, exactly what you think is that they want to work with me? I am valuable. Um, and, you know, you can kind of come about it from a different way. If you feel like they don't understand, you could say, they just don't understand how valuable I am, which tells your brain something different. How do I let them know how valuable I am? Because if I approach it, they just don't understand. You approach it from so much more of a place of saying, I can help them understand, which means you clean up your own thoughts about how you feel about yourself. You understand what your value is. And then it's easier to convey what your value is because you've already thought about this. And the the reason um, I mentioned that never spoke the difference is that, you know, they he yeah, has such a great Tactics of approaching a situation. Because what you want the administration to do is get to all these that's right moments. You know, like you know your value and you want them to say, that's right. You know, I know you don't have much money, but look how much value I bring. That's right. You know, the more you can get them to negotiate with themselves, the less work you have to do and the better your relationship overall would be. So those are the things that kind of came up for me when I was listening.
4: Absolutely right. And thinking of them as the villain. Only causes me suffering it doesn't change the situation at all
0: it just makes me more miserable yes and, and really why would you want to work at a place where you're surrounded by people that make you miserable
4: <laughs> Well, they, asked by that. I, I asked myself that every day recently
0: what if you decide that you could actually work with them that you can help them understand your um, position, and then you can actually start understanding them. You know, we think that other people have to change the situation, but you actually have a tremendous amount of power to start approaching them with some compassion and in the strategy that never split the difference of you know mirroring, um, getting them to the that's right moments. Um, you know, calibrated questions um, and tactical empathy you know, and for example, like approaching the administrator, I understand you are such a difficult position. You can imagine they're already saying, oh, she understands. And then, (laughs) you know, and then saying like, well, oh, did you realize how much value that I offer? I didn't. That's right. Let me tell you, you know, some of these things. Have you noticed that I do this? Have you noticed as a pillar of the community that people come to me? Have you noticed that I'm a leader? You know, things like that, because you've already brought them in with your tactical empathy of of saying, I understand your situation. You know, we say, we want them to say, I want you to understand my situation. Look at my understanding. If you you approach it from their situation and then you're able, they're open now to listen to your situation and now you can actually get them to say that that's right. And when you walk away, they're going to actually be glad that they're keeping you rather than saying, oh, Shannon, i got to keep her. (laughs)
4: That's awesome advice. Thank you very much.
3: Any can you guys hear, can you, can
4: you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me
3: now? Oh. <laughs> so Amy, I, we can always count on Amy to kind of come in like a surgeon with a scalpel and just like slice it up
0: <laughs> right yep.
3: to the core of this tactical maneuvers, like brain maneuvers and actual negotiating. They're so good. Um, I'm more of like the lovey dovey touchy feely lady. So Um, in the original thought download, what I kept hearing was these thoughts that have like an underlying unifying belief that there's something wrong with you. And this is what we all do. Like Mm -hmm. we make things mean that there's something wrong with us. Not, you know, this is like leaving aside all of this fantasizing about what this um, meeting is actually going to be because you don't really know. And it's like all made up right now in your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's all made up with this underlying belief that there's something wrong with me. Like they're going to fire me. Um, they don't see my value. They're going to think this about me if I cry, um, and all of this stuff. And so what I just like to offer is look at that and examine why that is existing for you. Like, you know, that you're an excellent surgeon. You have, uh, strong you are a strong pillar in your community you said all that other stuff with confidence related to your work that you do but why is there this doubt why is there this underlying vibration of not being good enough so the other thought that I had was if you are a breast surgeon that means you must be dealing with people that have breast cancer a lot I imagine is that true yeah so and you have to deliver news people are ha- people are like you waiting for the news, right mm-hmm. Your patients are like out there
2: worrying right.
3: and waiting for the news, and then you deliver this whopper, probably yeah and then like imagine that it's kind of a similar situation. It's like you're waiting to be told some whopper when in reality, you, you really don't know what they're going to say and what do you imagine would be best for your patients while they're waiting for their news to
4: be delivered? Like what would be best for them to take care of themselves in that time? Right. And what I tell them is, <clears throat> well, first of all, when I think it's going to be a breast cancer and I'm doing their biopsy, I will say, mm-hmm. this is what I'm thinking. We could be wrong pathology will tell us for sure. Or if for any reason, the pathology says it's not a breast cancer, I may not believe that. And I probably would want to do another biopsy. That's how suspicious I am. Then Uh when I give them the news, I say, so the, the thing is, the good thing is that there are no surprises. This is what we expected and this is treatable. And I think I have to go in there say, thinking to myself, whatever they tell me, this is treatable. Right.
3: Because you're amazing. And because you have been at this place, you know how to build a practice. You know how to become a pillar of a community. You know how to be an excellent surgeon. And if you can learn how to have your own back in that, then it can be yeah. similar where, you, where you're there. And it really won't matter because you're just going to know how to handle it either way
4: yep you're right. I wish I could I wish I didn't have the imposter thing I, I have all my life. It's really hard to, to shed. It's really tough. I think we all have it to a certain degree and it
3: sucks. It, it does suck. It does suck and it does come from somewhere, right? It comes from the way we're socialized. It comes from these the internal conditioning and messaging we've received our whole lives as women it comes from other aspects of culture that tell people that they don't belong or that they're less than the you know the golden child which is like you know I believe in the patriarchy so whether or not you believe in that up to you but I believe that there's like there's this hierarchy in our system yeah and so it's no surprise that people question themselves it's no surprise because we're kind of bristling up against everybody else that also has been functioning in the same system so we all have the same unconscious beliefs we just aren't aware of them so we, we but we act as if that is driving people's thoughts and behaviors so it's without conscious awareness so it, it makes perfect sense that you have it Like you have an opportunity right now to examine all of this And what if this week of you preparing for this meeting is like the most liberating experience you've ever had instead of the most um, gut wrenching experience. Like this is a potential, this Mm -hmm. is a potential to transform your existence. Yep. How Mm -hmm. you relate to yourself, how you relate to, to to the administration,
4: how you relate to the community, knowing that you can do anything. Right. And I, I, you guys are so awesome. And I appreciate all of your ability to incorporate these thoughts and feelings into a more constructive direction. I know that I have to do that. Otherwise, I'm going to have a miserable next 10 days, 11 days, whatever it is, that's not going to help me, it's going to wear me down and just make me more pissed off, anxious and miserable. And I can either decide um, with their help, it wouldn't no matter, uh, depending on what they say that I want to go into another direction, um, look for another opportunity, or work with them in a more constructive way than just being uh, distrustful and angry with them. It doesn't help.
3: And what that sounds like to me is you've just asked yourself a very important question. How can I make this a win-win,
4: either way? Yep, yep. And certainly, I haven't been happy in in employment. It's not a thing for me. I like being my own boss. So if this led me to some other opportunity away from not uh, outside of this institution, it probably would be a good thing. It's going to be hard to make a change. I hate changes, but it might be a constructive thing because uh, to be honest, I haven't been happy. This meeting is going to be a a great thing for you.
1: It's going to work for you. It's either going to propel you to a different avenue or they're going to give you what you've been at. You're going to win no matter what in this meeting. What if that's a way way to think about it?
4: I, I totally, you're totally right. You guys, I really appreciate your help so much. This is like a triple coaching session. It has been so awesome. And I wish that you guys were there, you know, four years ago when I was like totally burnt out saying, I got to quit. I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't know. I have no answers. I have no thoughts I just know that I'm exhausted and I can't keep doing this. And I went to um, Physician Health Services at the time and they said to me, uh, Okay, so you're here voluntarily? Yeah, no one complained about you. You're not having financial issues. You're not having marital problems. You're not suicidal or, hom- or homicidal. Okay, thanks so much for coming. You're the icing on the cake. How can we help you? And I said, I, I think I need a coach, someone to kind of go through my thoughts with me to kind of help me figure out what what the my answer is. And looking around for a coach was really tough. And I needed a surgeon coach. And there, there wasn't a thing like that. So I appreciate it so much, you guys. You have no idea.
1: Thank you. I'm thank, really- thank you. We think we think we're changing we believe we're changing
4: medicine by doing this. Like it's true it's truly
1: coming from a a calling for that.
4: I am so I'm so thrilled. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And I don't wanna waste your time anymore.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're not. You're not at all. I I wanna do I wanna just say one more thing on imposter syndrome just for everybody who's listening, but it's kinda like that urge, right? And we just want that urge to go away because then life will be better. What, what if instead it's kind of like, oh, there it is. Yep, it's been there for a while. That's just my strange tick that I call imposter syndrome. And we move on with our life anyway. So just a way of saying, I wish it would go away instead of like, what if it just never does and it's okay and we do what we want to do anyways?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, this is so interesting that you just phrased it that way. I'm, I'm reading this book right now called The Body Keeps the Score. It's about trauma and how the brain processes trauma. And it's so fascinating, and I think that basically all surgeons have been traumatized in some way because of the way our residency is, because of the things we witness on a daily basis, um, some of the encounters we have, and all of the kind of pouring out of ourselves for others. Um, So I think it's really useful um, as far as what we do in this coaching, but one of the things that he's kind of It's written by an MD psychiatrist who's a trauma specialist. he's talking about the different areas of the brain that process different things And our emotional center is different than the medial prefrontal cortex, which is different than the lateral prefrontal cortex and how those parts like the amygdala and the limbic system are older and more, um, more, I guess I'm going to use the word powerful. They just, they're like the go-to systems in the brain. So when, when we go to that area, that emotional area where we are like going through the motions of imposter syndrome, it's normal. Like that's the part of our brain that's activated on purpose. So the way you just said that, Kelly, it's like, yeah, you just recognize it's just a normal part of human brain functioning. It's like, I've actually started to think myself that my brain is functioning normally oh yeah, there it is, thanks, it's working, it's still working, and now I'm going to go ahead and activate my medial prefrontal cortex, and every single time I make that pivot, new connections are made, new synapses are made, And, and so every single time, even if you're doing it in your head and you're not writing it down, it creates and strengthens the new pathways every time, so that's why it's worth it, to recognize it and pivot. Recognize it and pivot over and over and over again forever.
0: Hey, it's Amy. I wanted to offer another thing too, um, and this is why it's so helpful to get your thoughts down and what you're really thinking. Because you know, when you first started the call, you're telling yourself that they don't want to work with me, um, and you kind of revealed a thought a little bit you know ago where you said, "I don't think that I want to work with them anymore." And you may actually be approaching a revolution of where you're saying that. I'm kind of recognizing that this is not working. That I may have actually different goals, but maybe I'm afraid to do them. Um, and so, what's interesting is that maybe you don't want to actually work with them, and maybe you are thinking about something else. And so, maybe even just being clear on what you want as your career is going forward. Um, if you're looking for a change, and that this meeting is is some way of doing it, but you're, you know, almost wanting that as an outcome. Just, you know, just a really deeper potential. Thought that's kind of driving some of this as well, maybe something worth looking into. Because if you don't want to be working with them anymore, either you find a way to work with them and, and be happy about it, because otherwise, why are you doing it? Or you've decided that, no, I, this is really, I really just want to do something on my own and I'm just a little afraid to. That's, that's what happened to me, is that I, I tried to work with it and I did everything that I possibly could. And then really what I decided was deeper down, it's like I had a different goal. I knew exactly kind of what my career, where I wanted it to go, and, you know, kind of took a leap and tried it. Um, and that, uh, and it's scary. And a lot of times your brain also rebels against that too, because it's really hard. But then when you start taking it, you know, step by step and, and really knowing your why, you're not sure how yet, but you know your why, then you can use that as a, a leaping off to, to have the career, the dream job that you always wanted. Something to consider too.
4: Right. I, I, I do think I'm coming to that. I think I am. And it is hard, I'm afraid, but that's okay. I mean, that shouldn't stop me from that, if, I, if it, this isn't making me happy.
0: What, what if fear and discomfort are all normal and expected and propel us forward? You know, there's just that part of our brain that motivational triad that, you know, we want pleasure. We want to avoid pain and we want to do as easy as possible. And so there's definitely a part of our brain that always wants us to do the things, you know, try to keep us safe and under the bed and not making big decisions. And, you know, it seems like what, you know, also this meeting is leading you to is realizing that, you know, there's a part of me that wants a little bit more than this. And the reason I'm already dissatisfied with this meeting is that I know that I even if I succeeded this, I may not be getting what I want because I'm starting to realize what I want is something completely different.
4: Correct. Correct. I'm feeling that way.
0: Beautiful. But you can do it. Discomfort yeah. is a currency of our dreams. It's okay we to be uncomfortable. We feel Absolutely. the fear
4: and we do it anyways. Yep. You guys think you've been invaluable. I really, really appreciate your your thoughts and and all of that it's it's it, you're such great guides
1: um we're gonna be in your pocket on june 30th <laughs> so we're there for you and if, if you're let us know on the facebook group or something how it
0: turns out if you want thanks to. i will thanks a lot you. all right goodbye everybody take care, take care.